Hey guys, this is Don Airy from Deep Purple and you are listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 251, album ranking Shades of Deep Purple. And coming to you from the tropical suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Icy Chuckler Matola. <laughs> Icy Chuckler? That sounds like a Batman villain. All right, let's go with that. <laughs> what is it really? <laughs> what? What is it really? What's what really? <laughs> Icy Chuckler. <laughs> That's me. That's me. It's nothing. It's because it's freaking cold out over here. Uh, okay, yeah. How cold is it there? Still. Still, I mean, you know, we're all talking about the weather, so. Yeah, why not? Um, why is it tropical there? What is it, like 20? <laughs> no, it actually warmed up to 30. I was able to, um, it's like 50 <laughs> degrees warmer than it was a couple of days ago. So, like, I was able to actually walk the dog for 40 minutes, no gloves. Like, it was great. Yeah. I got my special Yaks yeah. tracks on my shoes so I don't slip on any of the ice and die. It's great. What's Yaks tracks? They're like these, like, uh, Things you put like a shoe cover you put over your shoe and it's got like an, a crisscross of like these almost like it looks like a like a slinky if you pulled it apart so that you when you step oh. on the ice, it just kind of like grips the ice. And yeah, they're, they're, it's like it was mm. like I don't know, 18 bucks for a pair of them and because I took the dog out a couple times and I was sliding all over the place. I'm like, I'm going to fall and like break uh, easily break some bone or multiple bones. So I might as well just um invest in these and it's solid investment probably way cheaper and um lower right. stress than breaking my femur yeah we don't want that no we don't want that <clears throat> so Although you have plenty of time to sit there and do podcasting exactly well yeah that's true <laughs> well, i'm in traction full body cast <laughs> i have to hire a, a production assistant to come in and hit the buttons from the mobile suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everybody for joining us. We are um, we are trying this new audio format, this new audio program to record the show, and uh, hopefully it works out okay. I think the audio version should be fine. The um, oh yeah, I don't even know how I share audio in this. I don't have to look into that for our next episode. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't really need that tonight. Oh boy, um, but. Yeah, so I don't. Well, actually, we do for the um, for the jingles. Oh, how am I going to make that work? All right, folks, we are trying a new recording format. So you, uh, if you're looking at the video of this, you may or may not hear the actual um, jingles as we play them. We're trying to work out that kink, uh, but luckily, we're not listening to any audio today on today's episode. We're just discussing, so uh, we'll see how that goes. I don't know. It might be a disaster. It might work. We shall see. Um, all right. So if you want to support the Deep Purple podcast, you can do so in a number of ways. Our show is 100% listener supported and ad free. So if you receive value from our show, please consider giving us some value back. Um, one way is by leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Haven't had uh, many reviews recently. So 
please uh, fill one out if you haven't. Maybe we just reached peak review. I don't know. You can buy some merch at our Etsy store. Etsy just emailed me today saying, hey, we sent you $50. And I was like, why? <laughs> I looked and I thought maybe we got an order and I looked and we didn't have an order. So maybe it's just been sitting in our account for so long that they're like, here's money. So anyway, putting that okay. uh, towards the new computer fund. Uh, you can become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as $1 a month. Help support the show that way. You can also donate on PayPal, Cash App at dollar sign DPPOD or support us on Ko-fi. Um, and uh, speaking of our patrons, coming in at the... In memoriam tier, we have the wonderful Gerald Jerry Kelly and his family. The $25 Uncommon Man tier, we have Ovis Dockfee and Purple Maniac. At the 15 Squid tier, we have Alan Ain't Too Proud to Beg. At the Good Doctor tier, the 10-pound Good Doctor tier, we have the wonderful Mike Catan. At the Turn It Up to $11 tier, we have Clay Wambacher, Frank Tealgard, Mortensen, Mickelstein, Will Porter, PHDPP, and Michael Bagford. And at the $10 Someone Came tier, we have Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans, and Peter from Illinois. Then, of course, at the Husaween by 2033 tier, we have Fielding Fowler. Always wondering where that bleh is going to hit. I'm sorry that you can't hear that on the live stream. Um, hey, uh, that's not it, though. We do have uh, one more thing to discuss before we get into the meat of today's episode. And that is, of course, one of our most popular and famous enduring segments. And that is Postcards from the Edge of Connecticut. But uh, this is not the edge of Connecticut at all today. These are uh, both coming to us from a different state much more southern state. This one right here is uh wow, this, this wide angle lens on this new on this new setup is a little different. So this is a beautiful southern mansion sort of style thing with some geese. Some geese swimming around. And this says Nate. Now here's a house for you, Peter. Um oh this was over by the side of the fridge so it looks like you got a little jelly on it or something. Um so this is East Facade from the Slough in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The Bonnet House, not Graham Bonnet. Wait, oh, did, we, did we do this one before? I, I haven't seen that. I thought we talked about Graham Bonnet. Oh, and you know what? I think I showed it to my wife and she asked if it was Graham Bonnet, which is kind of surprising. I don't ah. know that she knows her, who, who he is, but uh, we got another one. This one's dated uh, January 17th. Another beautiful Fort Lauderdale for you. Fort Lauderdale Beach. This one says, Nate, now here's a beautiful view for you. Looking forward to the live stream on January 22nd, which is today. He's looking forward to this live stream where, where, we, uh, where we review Shades of Deep Purple again, but rank it so a little differently than our first episode. So thank you very much, Peter, for the wonderful postcards. Appreciate it. And uh, we had a little few little technical difficulties leading up to the to the episode, but we're we're in the clear now, baby. Nothing gets not even God could stop us now. <laughs> it's just <laughs> getting nothing out of John this tonight. The this ten this set the intention for the whole episode. Now I have to be brought back from the brink. Yeah, he's he's <clears throat> John is flagging. We need to like send somebody over there with some five hour energy <clears throat> or something, perk him up. 
Um, all right, so this week we are ranking the songs of Shades of Deep Purple. Kind of got this idea for, well, the idea of ranking songs has been around for a while, but the idea of how to tabulate these results from our good friends at uh, and the podcast Will Rock, because when they f- complete an album, they go back and they rank the songs by including their listeners, and we've included all of our patrons and gotten rankings from them. And basically, there's eight songs on the album, so the song that you rank first gets eight points, the song that you rank second gets seven points and so on and so forth. The song that you rank last gets one point. And then we took the average from how everybody ranked them. And we'll talk about the songs from um, eighth to first place. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do and kind of get into them. It might be a little bit of a shorter episode, he said convincingly. Um, so let's uh, let's get into it. Um, I'm going to sort this. And John, are you on the spreadsheet? Can you see it? Oh, no. I didn't know we were. I thought we were doing everything new. I thought maybe you're. Keep, well, you don't have the, the, spreadsheet, the spreadsheet that I just shared the with you. Spreadsheet to yourself. The new what spreadsheet. spreadsheet. Where? But you. I. I <laughs> what? What? Where? <laughs> I spread. I shared a spreadsheet with you that is this. Um, at least I think it was you. <laughs> yeah, John Matola. <laughs> I was like, great. I where, shared where it with you, some where, random John that where, I know. Where on the in the app here? And Gmail. No. <laughs> so no, it's it's not a big deal because if you if you want to follow along in it, you can. But if you don't, it's like not like it's not unrecoverable because I'm going to tell you what the rankings are. Well, I haven't got any email since like two hours ago. So what? I don't have it. Really? It says shared with one oh. person, John Matola. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, there it is. Oh, there it is. It popped through. Oh, wait a minute. This is just the... All right. This is just a regular spreadsheet. Oh, it's all cockeyed. It's all cockeyed? Why? It's all sideways. Sideways? See? Oh, oh, sorry. Go to the, go to the uh, tab that says Shades. Hey, there hey. it is. It should be all colorful and beautiful. Lots of conditional formatting. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. So I've sorted it from last to first. And um, should we uh, should we go through it? Yep. <laughs> John is so into this. <laughs> Yeah, let's be let's be done with this shit. All right, no, what am I looking at? Am I looking at so um, it's sorted right now? Oh no, not the colored charts. Where am I looking? Well, wherever you want to look, I don't know. It's sorted right now. How the hell am I supposed to know what from the track numbers? When it's because you look on the spreadsheets on that little tiny phone. You gotta you gotta you need a screen to look at a spreadsheet. Eh. (laughs) Well, how about I just walk you through the rankings because it's not that complicated. Yeah, go ahead. But if you want to open up the spreadsheet and follow along and 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 just establish any data that you've come to on your own, you can certainly do that. But mm-hmm. coming in at eighth place. Oh wait, should I? I think I feel like I should get this going here. Coming in at eighth place. Is Prelude Happiness 
I'm so glad. John's already what shaking his head. <laughs> travesty. travesty. So this was the big um, sticking point that we had this morning that that uh, that caused John to send me the following text message. Um, Bullshit. Matola's rules are nothing. <laughs> I'm quoting exactly what you said. Um, Pre- prelude happiness should not be tacked on to that garbage afterwards. Yeah, I I agree, but it is uh, per the per yeah, the yeah, rankings yeah. here. So um, well, against my better judgment, I ranked it last as well, and I didn't want to. But I mean, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to put. I'm so glad anywhere near first. No. No, I couldn't do it either. I when I I made my kind of little little few little notes on my phone here, but um, I would rank Prelude probably third if it was on its own, because I really do like it. But that's what I did originally. Yeah, but the um, I, like second or third. So yeah. I was listening to it and I was like, on its own, I'm like, wow, this is a banger. Yeah, it's pr- it's pretty cool. I, so, um, looking through the rankings here, um, it's ranked pretty low by almost everybody. Obviously, explaining the score, it got forty points total. Um, the a lot of sevens, eights, and sixes. Uh, so, a lot of people tied for ranking this last place, including me, John, Runar Siemensen, Rich, Arthur Smith. Robert Smith, <laughs> Mark Roback, <laughs> Norman Weichelbaum, um, so all ranked at last. Uh, the highest ranking it got was ranked number three by someone in the chat right now, and that is none other than The Gardeau, ranked at number three. So he may be just um, allowing the prelude to, or maybe he just likes I'm So Glad, I don't know, but um, maybe allowing. He's in the chat, he can explain himself if he wishes. Um, but it's it's possible that, that that ranked it high enough for him to to pull it out from mm-hmm. from where it was. Um, any other thoughts on the song from anybody in the chat or from you, John? Oh, oh, Peter's asking if I have his comment. And you know what? I do. I forgot that there's comments here. So from Peter, his comment was. Uh, where is it? Is that Peter's? Oh, no, this is Peter's. Peter's comment. Prelude happiness. I'm so glad. Did DP rip off the organ riff from the ghost of Mr. Chicken? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) Maybe Gardo is just a glad guy. I don't know. What's the ghost of Mr. Chicken? I I think that's a, um, isn't that a Don Knotts movie? Is it? I mean, I have no idea. I don't know. Oh, yeah, ah. he said the Don Knotts movie. Yes, okay. I got it. I got I, it. Yeah, but it's um, yeah. I mean, uh, I listen. Yeah, I know it was it was tough. It was tough, but I had to put the bottom because I'm so glad. This is just like I like the song, but I don't like their version of the song because we have heard other versions of it where you know that I've liked it in the past. But what I'm um, so glad is, yeah, by other bands. Have we? Yeah, we've heard other versions of it. From who Who did a version of it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good enough for me. It was probably in one of our, like, I mean, I can't remember. I mean, it's probably like on one of our episodes where somebody, some band from the, uh, the 60s had done it. And I remember just saying, yeah, this is, this is actually not bad. I don't like 
the Deep Purple version, or it's just a, really, it was just really just so repetitive. But I mean, the the Prelude Happiness, I actually really enjoyed it because it was so dynamic and energetic, and you know, it, it should have. I don't know. I wish it was his own thing, but oh, well, it can't be. Okay, so um, I'm so glad is a Delta Blues style song originally recorded by American musician Skip James in 1931. Um, James is recording on compact disc by Yazoo Records. It's been recorded by early blues artists. Uh, Cream reworked it. That might be what we're thinking. Yeah, from Fresh Cream. Stevie Wonder says Runar, so um, that could be one of them. Uh, I mean, I've heard it before. I'm most familiar with Cream's version. I just never thought it was like a really awesome song to begin with. No, I don't think it's awesome at all. And and Deep Purple's song is less awesome than others. Trying to think of what else. The Deep Purple added an intro entitled the song Prelude Happiness. I'm so glad for their first album, Shades of Deep Purple. John Lord's organ organ flourishes, weaving classical riffs and unexpected arabesques into I'm so glad, which sounded rather majestic here, according to All Music's Bruce Eater. So there you go. I'd agree with that. Yeah. So I guess this was I guess it was originally like a spiritual. um, But yeah. Um, not good by Deep Purple. <laughs> probably one of their, um, mm. probably one of their weaker songs, in in my opinion. I think we talked about this. I think when did we review this album, episode three or something? Um, I, I think mm, I probably yeah. my my thoughts from then probably, if if anything, have only t- turned more negative on this song. So, uh, what else? Anybody else have any? Uh, let's see who else has uh, some thoughts about. Um, Prelude happiness. Uh, I'm trying to look here. Ah, next. Talk about the next one. <laughs> Why are we spending so much time on this song? <laughs> well, what about the prelude part? What a, we? Well, I guess we talked about how it's a banger. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, the the prelude part. I would put. I would put so high up. How, what was it on my original list? Do you do you remember? Well, let's look. Let's look before you told two, me three. That it, before you told me bullshit Matola's rules. You ranked it number two. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because I listen. I actually listened to it a couple of times yesterday, yep. and I was just like, "Yeah, this has got to go at the top. Like, it's got to go near the top because it's like I said before. It, it's just um, that was just a really kind of really exciting instrumental for them, especially like the, the part that really caught me was the end where they go, you know, they were just really like, I mean, and the one thing is the way it was produced too was Ian Pace's drums were really sticking out to me because it made me think like, I mean, you know, it was always like one of our favorite drummers, but I'm just like, you just picture him. He's like 1920 with all the energy in the world, just freaking going nuts. Yeah, that's and the guy who played on Shades feel, of Deep Purple. You could, yeah, exactly. He's the guy that played on Shades of Deep Purple. So you could you could picture him just like uh, going nuts in the studio. Uh, I just thought it was, um, you know, a great original piece from them. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, should we go to the next song? Yep. Trying to see if there's any other uh, comments. I know that makes you mad, but... <laughs> okay. 
Um, what else do we got here? The second to last song on the album is... And I'm, yeah, you can't, <laughs> you won't be able to hear the drum roll on the, <laughs> on the audio version, but you won't be able to, every, everything else you'll be able to hear. Okay. The second one is Hey Joe coming in at 59 points. So with Hey Joe, we've got a few people ranked last Michael Bagford, Blackmore Tights, um, Peter Gard. No, no, no. Arthur Smith ranked it last. Um, Norman, no, uh, Raf Kaff ranked it last. Um, the highest ranking for it is Saul Evans at two. So he really likes the version of Hey Joe. Uh, hmm. I ranked it fifth and you ranked it seventh. So, Hey Joe. Yeah. What do we got? What do we got to say about it? I mean, yeah, it kind of um, so seventh. Yeah, so I kind of ranked it toward the bottom. I, I don't really like that. Theirs is another version, too. Like, I mean, uh, I think we're all ruined for uh, this. Uh, Jimi Hendrix has probably ruined us for every other version. It has me anyways. So I just thought it was cool that Deep Purple did this version. But it's, um, you know, they could have, like, taken out that whole bull versus matador sounding uh, <laughs> intro that they did. Um, yes. Just really just boring, dated stuff. I mean, I didn't really. And then you get to the then you finally get to the the song, which has nothing to do like musically or conceptually with what just with came the before. Fight, yeah. Yeah. With the bullfight. And, um, you know, it, it was it was just like, OK, um, I, I think that, um, yeah, um, it's it's a really Around that time, I know it was pretty common for bands to pad up their albums with cover songs. A lot of bands were doing it. Nobody in Deep Purple is really an experienced songwriter yet at that point. So, of course, they're going to have more covers on there. But, I mean, Hendrix did it better. And, and Richie's playing on this just like a, a few years after whenever we did this three, four years ago, five um it, it's just, it's still, it's, it's even more grating on me than it was before. Mm. Yeah. I think like, like, I can't, like, I feel like Richie's guitar was just like, like out of tune for this whole album. I just don't like what he was doing on this album. I think like getting into like his, his guitar playing, which it, it's more noticeable to me now than ever, but it's his bends. Like, it's like, he can't bend to those notes quite. And I don't know if, if it's just, it could have been anything. It could be the monitoring he was getting. You couldn't hear the bends that he was doing. Mm -hmm. Like the rest of his playing, I think is pretty good. But those, he keeps doing these bends and comes in like out of nowhere, like. <laughs> he does these really loud kind of out of tune bends in it. And it's just, it's like a, like a sore thumb, really. Um, I mean, that being said, like Lord's, Lord's playing on the album is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. sounded as great as he always did, so. I mean, yeah. I mean, in I mean, we're we're hearing the same thing in the chat. They weren't given time to write an album. They weren't given enough time to even eat a sandwich, let alone record the album, you know. But um, I mean, we're just we're just sitting here face to face with you know the final product. So yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I think your your point about the the opening is great. Um, 
the they go back to it too in the middle of the song, which is like uh, really we're we're revisiting this midst amidst the middle of Hey Joe. So it's like all of a sudden dun 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 dun. Um, and then I think if they had left it as just an intro, maybe you could have just been like. Maybe I would have bumped it up one spot because I I think when they actually get into it and Rod's doing his Hey Joe, you know this is his little soulful Hey Joe. It's not too bad, but then it kind of reminds you of the the opening that made no sense and you're, it makes even less sense in the middle of the song. And then they go back to it at the end and it's like, why are we revisiting this? Like what 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 is this? I get I guess that they're putting their own stamp on it, but well it's it's actually like they're not even putting their own stamp. They're putting somebody else's stamp on it because it's not like they're a a flamenco band or something like what's <laughs> yeah, exactly what, what was the need for if they had put on some sort of like dueling organ and guitar thing that would have been perfect but it it, it wasn't at all um so I, yeah i don't know I, I i really can't put my wrap my mind around what the heck was going on when they decided to, to kind of put those that in there and it's almost like they're in several spots in this album just kind of padding it because they had to fill up X amount of space on a, on a record. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, <laughs> Gardo is asking if they can get Charo on the next record. So, um, all right. Next up. Oh, wait, let me go. Let me, let me take advantage of this new program. Next up. In sixth place. Love Help Me. All right. So this one was ranked last by Saul Evans, Durple Purple, Stuart McCord, uh, Zwapper the Electric Alchemist, and um, it was ranked first place by Michael Bagford, who's on the chat. And then... Um, hmm. Uh, the Gardot ranked it second, so it got a couple of. So we're starting to see a couple of high, higher ranking things pop into the bottom. The total score it got was sixty-six points. Love help me, John. What do you? Any memories on this one? Well, what did I? What did I rank it again? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I didn't give our rankings. I ranked it seventh, and you ranked it sixth. So we're pretty close. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, for some of the for some of these other ones, like the shorter ones, I I actually I, I had to kind of um, I had to kind of go through a little bit and um, you know figure out um, where I was going to put some of these uh, um, because love helped me one more rainy day um, th those actually could have just been interchangeable uh, mm -hmm. but I had to pick one yeah uh, because I actually like like it i think it's really uh poppy uh kind of upbeat type of song i really like it um but i mean what ruins it for me is is like when when richie comes in <laughs> yeah. those bands <laughs> you know it's like and i seem to remember on our you know what I mean? on our episode like episode three i think i seem to remember i was just cracking up every time he came in because it was just so funny <laughs> it's like he's parachuting in the studio <laughs> like every time he comes in it's so loud and it's so jarring and so different from the vibe of the song it doesn't match the vibe of the song at all yeah i mean um but i mean i like the um i i mean 
I, I do like the song. There's just, I guess, a, a couple little parts. And I really hate to say that, too, because it's like we all know that that, you know, Richie's a good player. He's great live. A, a few years later, he'd be like way better. And let's just put aside why he might have sounded not great on the album. The point is, is that I don't think he did, period. Yeah. Um, or whatever parts are on the album just are very distracting. But it's otherwise a, a pretty decent pop song. And I, I like it. I, I think that um rod was doing what he did best yeah like he was very comfortable in that uh kind of uh song yeah i'm surprised that you liked it as much as you did because it, it's usually that kind of um more generic 60s sound doesn't do much for you no but i mean i'm just thinking like okay i have to rank the songs in this album and um so i'm like okay and i mean um i mean i wouldn't just i wouldn't put this on over something um that i prefer like that's a little harder or like uh maybe several years later but you know for this i would say in this collection of songs i i i like it yeah michael bagford in the chat says richie said that wasn't great let me do another take and the producer said no we got it we're done <laughs> maybe in those days yeah, he would probably have had less pull with the producers will uh will porter didn't submit his ranks but he said number four for him so um i can you know what will i'm gonna i'm gonna put you in at the end here and i'm gonna i'm gonna tabulate these so i'm gonna put you as number four hopefully it doesn't change the rankings too much but if it does hey so, so be it uh, i'm gonna put you down for uh what was what were we talking about love help me i'm gonna put you in number four for that one um so, uh, yeah, if anyone else is in the chat, I think everyone else gave their rankings. I'm not sure. But if you didn't, just let me know and I'll add them real time. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I have in my notes kind of the intro. I think they do it a few times on the album, not just here. But it's it's got that similar intro to Hush where it's just like this. Everyone hitting it all t together. And they kind of do that theme throughout the album. Um, and then, yeah, just the the guitar effects that he comes in with after every, I don't know if it's every chorus, but maybe like every chorus verse when he, every time he comes in with the guitar, it's just, I have a hard time not laughing. And I don't think that's what they were I going mean, for. I mean, I don't know. I think it less, less would have been more, you know, because you had that. Yep. And then if they just, <laughs> so you see it's so bad i can't even do it out of tune it, I, I sounded too good just doing that now it's like this it's got this <laughs> as, as uh scott puts smoke on the water it's it's yeah i i don't i mean part of it's the production but like you said that the playing's out of tune and i just can only think like i don't know if that Parts of it were done live and the monitoring wasn't good, whatever it is. But anyway, we mentioned that already. That is Love Help Me, which brings us. Oh, let me go to my my new my sound effects panel here. Brings us to our next one, which is uh, the fifth ranked song on the album, which is none other than One More Rainy Day. So there we go. One more rainy day. And like you said, it was kind of in there with the other mm -hmm. kind of poppy tunes on the album. But um, so one more rainy day gets a total of 68 points. Uh, so just barely edging out love. Help me. Uh, one rainy day gets the it only gets one eighth place finish. And that is from the rowback or as we call them, it's just simply the 
we're just we're <laughs> today that, we're calling him the we're we're that familiar and close. We're such good buddies. We just call him the. It comes in eighth place. It's got a couple seventh place finishes from Duncan Leesk and Ivan Fjeldbu. Um, uh, Scott Haskin gave it a seventh place. And then it has a number one uh, from Runar Siemensen, who's in the chat. So he mm. ranked it high. It also has a number one finish from Norman Weichelbaum. And uh, yeah, so it's got a couple of first place finishes and only one last place finish uh, so one more rainy day what do, what do you guys think about this one what do you think John um, well like I said I, I, I think that one more rainy day and love helped me I could have flip flopped them but I had to give it to one more rainy day because I thought it was um, I was listening to it and I thought it was very um, it was another one that I thought was really um, poppy I thought it was good I thought that um there was too much like um, doubling on on Rod's vocals. Like I feel like this song, when he's like changes, you know, he <laughs> he had like he had that those effects like turned like way up, or they had those effects turned way up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, um, but yeah, the the chorus is really melodic and um, and and Lord's uh, melody that oh yeah yeah really really good but um the whole thing with like ba 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 really just reminded me of the partridge family <laughs> totally which, totally totally yep which is you know uh, a guilty pleasure um but um as evidenced by the shocking amount of vinyl that i have by them uh, <laughs> that i discovered recently <laughs> um but i mean when they and i mean partridge family was early 70s but they very much recorded everything in the i think in the vein of that late 60s because it, it sounded very similar to this but i mean to me i have like a decent you know good memories of it and um yeah overall i don't find it an objectionable song and plus i don't think that there's any solos in it um at all yeah i i, I made uh i made a, a good mention of that oh gardo is asking me i keep forgetting to read the comments some people sent comments and some didn't so let me look at peter's comment mm. for um uh, trying to find it here for one more rainy day. Uh, whoops, where did it go? Sorry. Pete's comment is, is Rod supposed to be singing off key? Pace is hitting the skins well. Neutral, he gives it. Hmm. And I mean, um, a couple of couple of things up in the chat. Will pointed out, hasn't aged well very much of its time. Yeah. And I mean, I, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, the, the album sounds really dated ah the roback has changed his first name to roback now so (laughs) so we don't have to call him the um yeah yeah yeah, it's 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 in my to my ears it's the most dated sounding song on the album very you know which is which is fine and it it sounds like 1968 actually kind of almost sounds like 1966 but um yeah nothing very poppy like that nothing shocking about it i've added will porter's rankings and the only thing it did didn't change necessarily changing the rankings but it did make love help me in one more rainy day have a tie because ah. they were very very close but everything else remains the same so which is fine yeah, that see, we're doing it so this way. everybody else feels the same way that i do i think yeah so my, my notes for i'm looking at my notes for one more rainy day um uh, which is which they i believe lord wrote that one with evan so it's kind of a you know, it's not often that you're getting a Lord 
I think the only Lord uh, solo song that you have on the whole Deep Purple catalog, apart from this one, is um, this time around with Hughes. You know, that's only him only writing the music. So, yeah, it explains that little mm-hmm. organ intro and everything i could be wrong about that but i think so but yeah every time he goes changes visible changes i always just think he's talking about puberty like it just reminds it just like (laughs) (laughs) and i think i probably i probably said this on um episode three because uh this is not a new thought for me every since the second i heard the song for the first time i'm always just think he's like talking about like a a 12 year old boy you know finding a little peach fuzz or whatever uh, <laughs> <laughs> hair in places it hasn't been before if i go back to episode three i'm probably making the same stupid joke um yeah very 60s uh uh i can imagine like another band doing it better than them you know like a band that had like uh, <laughs> tiny hairs coming so fast <laughs> Gardo says yuck he doesn't like the, he doesn't like this uh, angle that we're taking with it um but yeah I, I, I feel like another band that was more suited to like rich 60s harmony vocals could have handled the song better it wasn't really necessarily in their wheelhouse even though they wrote it um the chorus right. is a little repetitive uh oh no wait that that was my notes from so glad <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then I, pu- I put in the na 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 part because that was, you know, that's almost, almost to the point of parody. Like if, uh, if the if the guy, if the guys who did Spinal Tap are doing like a parody of this kind of music, they would they would have written that part. Yeah, and yeah, I also wrote in no solos, um, which is kind of kind of funny. Um, yeah, but I mean, uh, I I think that upon this listen, I was grateful when there were no solos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, Richie really didn't get a lot of um a lot of a showcase on this album. And I mean, I guess that's no. a good thing. And a lot of times when there's like uh, a Lord solo would come up, I'd be like, oh good. <laughs> <laughs> oh good, that's which kind of solo it is. I could imagine yeah. another band of this era or the sixties covering this song and i'm surprised i mean i'm sure somebody somewhere covered it but i'm surprised that like you know the mamas and the papas could have turned this into like a hit i think but it just with deep Mm. purple just wasn't really them right um michael bagford's asking if ethel merman could do it better changes visible changes maybe Well, we'll have to leave that in our mind. So, hey, we're at a, we're at the halfway point through these songs. So, better time to thank our next level of patrons than right now. And uh, coming in at this level, at the core level, we have at the seven dollar and seventy seven cent keep it warm rat tier. We have Michael Vader at the six dollar ninety nine cent nice price tier. New nice price tier. We have Spike the Rock Cat and Shirty at the episode six dollar sixty six cent tier. We have Steve. Coldwell and Arthur Smith. Anton Glaving and Charles Meadows at the $6.65 almost evil tier. We have Kenny Wymore and Richie Sucksmith at the $6 what's going on here tier. We have Richard Fusey at the $5.99 the nice price tier. We have Robert Smith and Carl Helberg. And at the 60 kroner tier, Scandinavian Knights tier, we have Newt Morton Johansson. 
at the $5 money lender tier. We have John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Alman, Oleksii, The Perfect Stranger, Slepikov, Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zern, Cynthia Doobie, Raf Kaff, and Coyote Bongwater. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right. All right, next up, as I convert over to my sound bites over here, the next track up, this was ranked number four on average by all of our listeners, and that is... Trying to time that drum beat then. Uh, help, the Beatles cover. Missed it. So, um, as you would guess, this one got 81 points. As you would guess, most of the scores across the board are in the middle. We did have one person rank this as the lowest ranking song on the album, and that person is on the live chat today, and that person is known as The Gardo. Ranked this as number eight. Um, then we didn't have anyone rank it in first place, but the the highest ranking we got is third place, and that ranking is shared four ways by Rich, uh, Robert Smith, Stuart McCord, and Purple Durple. Oh, I'm so sorry. Ranked number two by Will Porter, coming in at number two. So he, Will mm-hmm. Porter. Oh, wait. Well, I'm, oh, no, wait. I'm on the wrong one. Sorry. <laughs> I went a line down. So yeah, the three-way, a four-way tie, Rich. Oh yeah, I, I completely went a line down. Sorry. Rich and Duncan Leask ranked at number three, as well as Norman Weichelbaum. So a three-way tie at number three for those, but it doesn't get any higher than that. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Background noises are not something muted. On my desk. Something on my desk fell. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh my goodness. So there you have it. That's uh that's where help is ranking. Um uh then we've got uh on Peter Gardot's 70s weekly ranking for it is oh here we go. Help. Low energy cover likened to Jeb Bush sap. <laughs> Please clap. I'm gonna have to get a please clap uh, am, sound effect for a sound bite for Peter Gardo's uh, low energy. It was like John at the at the middle of this episode when we hit a technical snag and had to bring him back from the brink. Low energy. Yeah. Well, I ranked this fourth as well, and um, I mean, I've I've always been on record as saying I. Lo- I like this. I'm surprised that uh, John looks like he's been hitting the bottle between he's hiccuping and knocking things over. Like, man, (laughs) I've had you on camera the whole time. I haven't seen you drinking. (laughs) I haven't, and I haven't had I haven't had a drop of alcohol in two weeks. Oh wow! If if you could believe that, dry January, people. Are you doing Um, well? Obviously, maybe not all January then. Partial. Well, it depends on when the next time is that I see Rich, and then it'll be over. <laughs> <laughs> no willpower. Um, um, no, very, very little. Um, shit. All right, so I I ranked this fourth, yep. and I'm I'm sure it might surprise some people that I put a Beatles song so high because I hate them so much. <laughs> um, Just absolute despises them. No, <laughs> pure <laughs> hatred. But I. But I always liked this version. I thought it was a great, 
uh, I thought it was a great ballad because I thought it was such a great departure from the the upbeat version that the Beatles did do. And I don't I don't know if I heard any other band do it that way. I, I just and then I, I think it was you. I've mentioned it on a few occasions that that's the way that what was it uh, John Lennon really wanted to do it. He wanted to do it this this way. Yeah, that was or the, the, was the somebody had told me. Yeah, yeah somebody told me that. I think that, I might have told you in episode that he three. originally wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they were vetoed, and it had to be this poppy, lighthearted type of thing. So I I like this version uh, because it's um, I don't know I I think it's it's one of the the better ones. It has um, a lot of uh, emotion to it, um, and, and great performances by everybody in it. So I, I think it's. Um, yeah, I think it's great. And I mean, yeah, great song. Yeah, I think I, I think it's interesting to hear. I think it great would have version. been interesting at the time. And again, we've got another song like Hey Joe that just recently got done. And it it was a different time then when a song could be released and then covered and you could have a cover version out uh, a month later. And that was normal. And it just seems like it would be weird nowadays to like, I, I don't know anything that's recent right now but it would be like i don't know what's what's some, it would be like the, the most recent song i can think of is that song by what's it katie perry firework it'd be like if if madonna came out with a cover of that like three weeks later and released it it's like it just wouldn't happen you know it just it would be it kind of would seem rude mm-hmm. like wouldn't it be like hey no i just did that but back then it was kind of normal yeah bitch i just recorded this but this is you know this is the way that john lennon intended it to be made and um actually uh one of my favorite artists g love and special sauce did a version of this that was also the same thing very very slow version of it that was kind of more in line along the lines of the original vision oh Devil dogs on from hell. So, um, so Nate, you're about 14 years too late. (laughs) Your work was released in 2010. That long ago. My goodness. Yeah. That's the most recent song I know. I'm sure like my kids have other songs too, but I don't like that. They listen to, but I don't even know what they are. I just hear them. So I don't know. Post Malone. That's a guy, right? Even Glenn Hughes knew Post Malone. Taylor Swift. Oh, there you go. Taylor Swift. I probably know a few of her songs. Although I mean, at this point, isn't she? She's re-recording all of her albums. So who who the hell knows when all that was from? You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, I get what you mean. If if there was <laughs> if there was a new song out and then another popular artist all of a sudden put out a cover of it, nobody would. Everybody would be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, exactly. It it's, it would seem rude. Um. So yeah, I, I think it's a it's a I think it's an interesting song. Um, uh, yeah, I I mean I agree with Gardot. It's kind of low energy, um, but well yeah, but it's, but it's a, supposed it's to be. It's like it's a, part of the thing. So, yeah. um, and then doesn't he say like let me let me look this up. Uh, he one of the things he says is. Um, uh, you know, when he gets to the chorus, what does he say? I do appreciate you being around. Uh, oh, yeah. He says, he, I, I think Rod says, like, I appreciate I appreciate you being around me, which is not in like the original lyrics. That's what I wrote down. So he's like, I do appreciate you being around me, <laughs> which I don't know if it's because the, the song wasn't that new. It was a couple of years old at that point. But uh, the tempo is cool. The chorus and the end harmonies are cool. The organ solo is cool. 
Richie's bends again are kind of uh, a deal breaker. Um, and then there's mm-hmm. like a long section where they're just going dun dun dun, which I could probably do without. Um, uh, but but you know, other than that, it's it's kind of interesting. I think it's cool that they put their own stamp on it. And I wonder if they knew the story of how. Lennon wanted it to be more of a ballad um, and that's why they did mm-hmm. it or if they just did it because that's what they wanted to do but we may never right. know maybe maybe if we can get Nikki on the show he'll remember um, but yeah that's uh, that's help okay which brings us to our next song what do we have up next uh, the next track we have up is I don't have a drum roll, but I do have my dog growling at me. What are you growling about? All right. And the next one is... (laughs) The next one is... Um, It is... I keep missing that last beat. And the address. Oh, there you go. And the address. This one was uh, a big jump from 81 points for help to 126 points for and the address. So a huge jump there when everything else was kind of... Um, the last three songs, definitely, uh, there's a huge gap between song four and three. And the address gets ranked um, number one. Uh, well, let's see the lowest ranking. Number six by The Gardot. The Gardot, the Gardot is the outlier with a lot of these. Let's re- read his rankings here. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of contrarian opinions Yeah, here. he's just being contrary. Uh, and the address, instrumental. Where are the go-go girls in the cage or a drug deal gone bad scene on Mannix? <laughs> neutral. <laughs> okay. So he's neutral. Oh, they got a snort out of me. Neutral on and the oh. address. That's a 70s uh, weekly ranking for it. Mm. Okay, that's, that's pretty good. Um, any other... A lot of people just kind of sent them and didn't necessarily wrote it, write any... Um, uh, and the address, yeah, no, nothing from there. Oh, wait, here we go. Mark Roback, I think, had something. Mark Roback has... Maybe? Oh, no, I, I guess he didn't include a... Uh, so he only included for a few other, a few other tracks. In the address... Ranked lowest ranking number six by Peter Gardot. His notes... Where is it? Notes. Instrumental. Where are the go-go girls in the cage or a drug deal gone bad scene on Mannix? Neutral. He's a neutral. Mm. So he's at number six. Well, he's neutral on this one. So that's actually not bad for a neutral being sixth place out of eight. Um, uh, What did he rank? Did he? He ranked help as sap. So he didn't rank anything bad Um, on and the dress, the we well, got a few people ranked at number one. Ivan Fielbu, Duncan Leesk, uh, just the two of them. Then there's a bunch of twos. I ranked it two, and you ranked it two. Yep, I right. gave it a two, or I ranked it two rather. Um, and um, again, I think that that one and Mandrake Root could have like flip flopped. Um, um, but I mean, I, I think it was um. It was a great, great opener, a great instrumental mm-hmm. um, for the album. I mean, at this point, it's um, it's it's pretty it's pretty classic. Yeah. Um, um, for uh, it, it has some of the uh, I don't know. It's just it's very. I think it's very good 
for uh, one of their instrumentals. It's it's a lot different than uh, Prelude Happiness. Is that that one was more, um, you know, they were going for like a mood. Where this one, they were just like, okay, let's do an instrumental, throw in a couple of solos. Um, yeah, I mean, I really like it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I've, I always like this. It always seemed like a song from a like. It just always seemed like an enduring song from another time. Like it like didn't seem like something that they would have written. Um, it just seemed like like something that they would. It just seemed like I don't know what you like fifties music, like instrumental music. They'd be playing like at a dance. Like it never really kind of struck me as being a Deep Purple song. Uh, the cowbell overdub is so loud. <laughs> Like bonk, 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 bonk. It's like, it's almost distracting. Um, uh, it's kind of like almost like a title theme, like the the way that they play the song. Uh, guitar, mm. it, it, but it does set up kind of the the, the the direction of the band. It's a it's a trade off organ and guitar solo. You've got this instrumental. The only thing you're missing is vocals, but it does kind of set the, the the mission statement for Deep Purple right at that very very first track. Um, but yeah, um, Runar Siemensen says you can never have too much cowbell. I agree. I love cowbell, but uh, gotta be a little lower in the mix. <laughs> and you can tell it's like mm. Pace doing all this crazy stuff on the drums, so you can tell it's like overdubbed. It's just they're just whacking that thing right in the. Yeah, it's probably got its own track. Maybe it's done in stereo. I don't know, but it's um it's yeah. very very loud. Um, so yeah, I aside yeah, from that, aside from that, yeah. Aside from um, that, uh, and I mean uh, that was the um, um, that was the last uh, track that they did on Whoosh, or yes, the last right. Yeah, well, apart so, from the the bonus, the quote bonus track that were you know right, right. Which I mean, um, yeah, just kind of shows you a little bit how um, how enduring it is. Yeah, it's it's great that they did it. I mean, we, we think we talked that to death on our whoosh episodes, but um, it's cool that they kind of ended. Mm. Well, they they uh, what they thought maybe perhaps their last album ended with a, mm. a return, like a reprise of the song. But now it looks like they're going to have another album. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's and the address. Which leads us to our next track, the second highest ranked song on the album is where is it <laughs> mandrake root <laughs> there's only two songs left <laughs> mandrake root coming Ooh. in with 131 points um two lowest rankings are a tie for sixth place with runar Siemensen mm. and rich ranking it at number six you and i both gave it a three so we were kind of in sync for the last three songs on this, on the album. We both gave it a three. Mm -hmm. um, and then looking through, we have a few number one spots. Uh, Scott Haskin gives it a number one. Arthur Smith gives it a number one. Robert Smith gives it a number one. All the Smiths have ranked it number one. Zwopper gives it a number one. Raf Kaff. Stuart McCord and Will Porter all put it in first place. John, mm. what do you think of uh, what do you think of this one? I think it's a uh, it's a strong it's one of the strongest originals that they did, and um, um, I'll give I'll give Will credit for it in the chat because I was thinking the same thing. They were still playing 
instrumental elements of this up to 1972. The yep. Um, which I always thought was cool that they um, they they did a nod to some of the um, kind of instrumental stuff that they did in Mark One, in you know Mark Two and um, <laughs> Mark Two and um, and beyond. I think uh, I don't know if they. Uh, did this in any other versions, but that that kind of like it sounds very stiff on the album because they probably haven't worked they probably hadn't worked it out yet. Um, it, it, but that that one part definitely got a lot more um, fluid as the years went on. But I mean, um, aside from that, um, I think that it's it's great because uh, Rod is just uh, singing you know dry vocals, maybe a little reverb. Um, it, it's got a nice chugging beat. It's kind of heavy. Uh, they do that little. Uh, uh, they do that little instrumental section in the middle, um, <laughs> like, like they don't on every other song on the friggin' album. Um, but um, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's just a really uh, it's a uh, one of the strongest um, songs with vocals on the first album. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's you know when I when I was looking at the rank when I was looking at these songs without listening to them again I, I ranked this one at number one but then I went back and listened again and it, that's why I bumped it down because I feel like live they kind of fleshed this one out a little bit better the I, I think the thing that holds it back a little bit is the, the little jammy part in the middle is a little it seems forced because it's like a studio jam uh, and they would kind of they would kind of refine that over the over time mm-hmm. um I don't know what's at the beginning. Is it like sounds like almost like a lawnmower, um, but it's got that great that great Hendrix thing, you know that. Bum, bum, bam, it it sounds like the, like like this kind of foxy lady sort of sort of thing mm. going on, which was you know not unintentional. Um, I think that the instrumental tease in the album is kind of indicative of what they're going to become as a live band. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, I just don't know that fully works on the album. And then he's got that like thing that he puts in there too. That's like, uh, from you fool no one, he does it almost note for note, uh, and then kind of recycles that years later, six years later or whatever. Um, and I really like that part. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a cool, um, it's a cool track. I really like the song part of it and I would have liked if it was more of just a song on the album and then they. Obviously, they they would do thirty five minute versions of this live, um, but I feel like the the jam instead of making it a jam part on the album would have been cool if they just worked in solo sections and went back to it instead of making it feel like it's they're going into a live jam when they're not. Um, but yeah, like the Mandrake Ruta, like I love his like. <laughs> You know, out of my brain. Yeah. <laughs> he just he's, he's so like um, I don't know, just the something about the 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 bod- bodastical way that uh, Rod Evans sings mm. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that is Mandrake Root. Scott says it would be the first thing he listened to every morning was Mandrake Root, the first song that they ever wrote. Yeah, that's very. It's, it's, it's a historically important song, and you know they would do this well into the Gillen era. And I wonder what the, la- they, the last time they played it was probably like 70 or 71. I don't think they played it much much past that. Um, I don't think they busted this out, you know, post-reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they were doing this with, on the Perfect Strangers <laughs> tour or anything. Uh, but um, And then 
it kind of re- really don't need a drum roll for the the number one song because you've probably all figured it out by now. And the number one song. We're gonna do it anyways. Hush. That's right, folks. Hush came in number number one, which isn't super surprising. You know, my my sort of um, you know thinking. I was being like the Gardo and being uh, uh, what's the word? Um, contrarian. I wanted to rank Mandrake Root number one, but then I listened to it again. I'm like, no, nah, there's a reason why Hush is what it is. It's it's a really well-crafted song. There's a reason why they play that in elevators and grocery stores and doctor's offices 50 plus years later and they don't play Mandrake Root <laughs> or One More Rainy Day or anything like that. They play uh, Hush. Um, this song, the lowest ranking it got was a four, and that's a two-way tie between uh, Runars. Oh no, I'm sorry, Michael Bagford and Duncan Leask both gave it a four. Um, the lowest ranking it got, which is not too low. And then uh, you and I both gave it first. Um, Rich gave it first. The Gardo gave it first. Mark Roback. Durple Purple and Saul Evans all gave it first place. So 138 points, edges Mandrake Root out by seven points. Um, Hush. What do you guys think of Hush? We'll start with John because he's the only one with the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I was like, I don't care if it's obvious uh, that I'm putting it at number one. Like you said, it's number one for a reason. I mean, I hear this a lot i hear this all the time like you said it's it plays in like uh, in the grocery store and yeah i hear it on that uh that work radio mix you know what i mean yeah i hear it um, at work so yeah, i feel yeah, like five so times a like, day <laughs> yeah like the rock station so sometimes i'll hear it and you know what no matter how many times i hear it it's like i do groove along to it and i always wait for the john lord solo mm-hmm um, which I'm really glad that they gave him the solo on this one. And then the part after they goes out of the solo and Rod does a na 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 na. And then the the keyboard right after that, the organs after that. It's just I'm always like, yeah, baby, I'm feeling it. Yep. <laughs> and it is the one song on the album where Richie is doing those crazy ass bends where it doesn't yeah. bother me. And I don't know why it fits in with this song for some reason. And there's just enough, um, just enough. Uh, phaser or whatever on Rod's vocals and uh, you know what I mean it's like this song was obviously I don't know by accident or on purpose crafted to be the single or the hit and um, hey it worked because I mean to this day there's really no fatigue factor for me I just always enjoy hearing it when it comes on yeah it it, um yeah Richie's like little fills like he he seems to nail those bends on this song in ways that he doesn't on others it could just be the way that it's recorded i know the whole album was recorded in a long weekend basically um yeah but it's uh yeah i mean it's it's hush what what more can you say about it they still play it they still throw it in as an Mm. encore 54 well no 56 years later was it 56 years jeez that's crazy <laughs> the the last comment from from Michael Rod Evans uh, Rod Evans seeing his DoorDash order arrive ah <laughs> oh, here it comes <laughs> no that's Captain Beyond <laughs> that's funny <laughs> oh, his DoorDash order 
I wonder if he has DoorDash. I wonder if he does DoorDash. I would just like love to know just like the, the minutia of a, of a Rod Evans' normal day nowadays. Is he using apps? Does he does he have apps? Does he have a smartphone? <laughs> is, is he using apps? <laughs> well, if he is, hopefully he's on listening to Apple Apple Music or Spotify and he's hearing this podcast and how much we love and miss him and how he want we want him to come on a yes, hiding. We want you we want you on the podcast, Rod. At, at any cost. But yeah, for Hush, I put, um, what did I put for Hush here? Um, yeah, I don't think I, I put that it was John centric, uh, which you, you touched on as well. I didn't make many other notes cause it's pretty burned into my brain, but it was a great song. Mm. It's a great song. Um, I'm sure Joe South appreciated them covering it. Probably got him a lot, a lot of, uh, it's probably still getting him a lot of residuals. Well, well, or his estate. Mm. I'm assuming, I'm assuming Joe South has gone South. But I don't I don't mm. know. But somebody can Wikipedia that for me. But um yeah, that's uh that's the rankings for the album. Um I think, you know, as we get a little more into their catalog or if we do similar shows for other albums, we'll probably have it'll probably be a little harder to rank and we'll have a lot a little more to say about once we get into like even even the third album, I think I'll have uh, have some pretty strong opinions on, and then going through the whole, you know, everything through seventy six will be pretty, mm-hmm. you know, hard. And and I think it's you know ranking everything like something like to me, Prelude is a clear eight, and Hush is not as clear, but a pretty solid first place. But when we start to get to later albums, like how do you say what the best mm-hmm. song on Machine Head is? How do you say what the best song on? on burn is it's it's there there there's going to be a lot closer calls and a lot probably a little bit more variance because when you look across the the top of our spreadsheet it's pretty red going across um i'm so glad and it's pretty green going across hush and you might see that pattern get a little bit more checkered um as as we move on but um but with that you know i'm gonna try i'm gonna try something a little different here and i'm gonna uh actually share this uh share this with you so you can hear the you can actually hear the jingles if will this work let's see share screen window oh here we go if i share this with you you'll be able to hear the jingles now and that'll be a little bit better for you we'll have a better we'll have a better close to our patron but um actually at least you should be able to hear it so uh thanking our last gaggle of patrons which is of course the uh core level i'm sorry the foundation level of course i'm wrong um at the three pound and 50 cent deep purple new york tier we have lord longford at the three pound aromatic feed tier we have Simon ford and richard Brees. you don't hear it no nope <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, well, um, not me. Let me fix this. All right. Learning. learning oh, wait, stop sharing. Oh, yeah. Stop sharing. Oh, it's really glitching now. Maybe we've made a mistake. It's a good thing we tested this on this episode. Maybe we'll go back to Zoom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I wish I hadn't uh, paid for this. <laughs> oh, All right. geez. All right. Here we go. Do we do this window? How does this how does this work? All right. I get that tab open. It doesn't let me share. I don't understand how the audio works in this. 
This is really annoying. All right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna power through it, and we'll figure it out after. Because this is a disaster from a from a. This is gonna be a nightmare to edit. Um. All right, so we talked about that. So at the three dollar thirty three cent halfway to evil tier, we have Stephen Sharp and Duncan Leesk at the. $3 Nobody's Perfect here. We have Peter Gardeau. We, of course, have Ian DeRosier. Mark Roback. We have Stuart McCord. And then we have Flight of the Rat Bat Blue Light. We have Ivan Fieldboo. Runar Siemensen. How are we gonna do? <laughs> How are we gonna do? JJ Maselli, Stuart, uh, JJ Snard, Runus Adequacies. Um, <laughs> How are we gonna do this? JJ, uh, John Maselli. <laughs> oh, you're gonna have to guess what he says. I love those little rats on a motorcycle. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> You'd never. <laughs> <laughs> that was good timing. <laughs> You're gonna have to listen to the audio because you'd never guess in a million years what he what he actually no, said. Uh, I, we have I Michael Boyette and Corey Morissette, and at the one dollar and seventy one cent, I want my own tier. Tier. We have Rich Young. At the ten kroner tier, Karsten Lau, and at the one dollar made up name tier, we have the one more leaky day, leaky mausoleum, Stephen Somerville, Conchando, nineteen ninety nine fanatic, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, <coughs> Blackmore Tights, Steve Down to Earth, Kohler, Whopper the Electric Alchemist, Anders Engstrom, Ashley Still I Hear, Burn Rose, ICDC, and Durple Purple. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast, where we're always experimenting, always trying new things, and always screwing up the audio um, on a technical level. So that's just that's the service we provide. I have no idea how this will mm. look on YouTube or anything else, but there you go. Shades of Deep Purple. Any closing thoughts? Um, yeah, not as... Um not as not as rough of a listen as I thought it would be. Um, I I was kind of excited because we get to go back and revisit uh, some of these albums, which when we were first starting, we're like, well, once we do these, we're all it's all done. We're it's over. Yep. <laughs> so, um, and I mean that just means that we get to revise all the albums. But I, I thought it was uh, fun and interesting because I get to just kind of take this this uh this recording in a in a kind of a bubble and be like okay these eight songs which ones do you like best and that's that's kind of a different challenge than rating them all like we uh typically do on a scale of one to five right so um yeah i i thought it was uh i thought it was a lot of fun definitely a couple of things that i was thinking of was is like still don't like richie's playing mm -hmm album still sounds and feels very dated too but, much reverb um, on almost everything i guess not as much of a not as much of a slog as i thought it would be no no and it, yeah it, it does when i hear like rick wakeman say this is like the best album of the 60s or something i'm just like mm, really <laughs> like, eh. i mean no i would I, I really wish that we could say that 
this was one of those debut albums that changed the world, but it, no. it did not change anything. No, it, it took it. You know, they took a little time to to get going and get the steam. You know, um, yeah, uh, and really hit their stride. And they really didn't hit it until in rock. I mean, I think I think if they had done a fourth album with this lineup, that would have it would have been very different from in rock, but I think they would have hit another stride like that. Cause the third album, I really feel like they were figuring some stuff out. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, they were really getting into their groove. They had some really great songs on that album. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was almost like night and day from the first two albums. Yeah. Yeah. The first two are, I think pretty comparable, but yeah, th- the third one is, is really a, a difference Uh of, uh, their approach was different and the result was way, way different. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I remember when we first started the show, you know, those first three album reviews felt like, Oh my God, we're never going to get to the, you know, the quote good stuff, you know, like it just <laughs> felt like forever. And now it's like, you yeah. know, we just bang out these episodes. Like, you know, we have no idea what's even coming out. We're just so far ahead and we just throw the episodes out there and it's like they come out when they come out who cares um so yeah but i am looking forward to doing this format um with some other um some other albums and seeing kind of how they go and maybe we'll Mm -hmm. based on the based on how this new software went maybe we'll go back to zoom (laughs) Mm -hmm. because kind of a yeah but i would i I would play a sound effect for you but you wouldn't hear it so never mind (laughs) I don't like the camera angles on this. I like the wide angle here. Like, this is great. I think my video looks great. I don't know what the finished product will look like. I like some of the features with it. But, um, yeah, overall, have, having used it, used it twice today, I don't know that I'm yeah. sold on how this is, like, the greatest no. thing ever happened to podcasters. But, I mean, after having used this for all of our, Zoom for all of our episodes, this is just very, feels jarring. Yeah, which I was expecting it to be different, but I thought the features would be better, and I think the features are yeah. not there. So, yeah. Sim- like, there's some simple things that we should be able to do that we can't do. But anyway, we could talk about that in a postmortem. But thank you very much, John. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this stream, and thank you, yes, for everyone, thank you, for sending you. in your um, your rankings, whether you were on the stream or not. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you next week with a probably longer episode than this one. This is a little shorter than normal. So Uh, thanks so much, everybody. Talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for not wearing a Speedo. Some eye, <laughs> some eye candy for our YouTube. Uh, <laughs> our YouTube views are going to plummet. Devil Dog, the Hound of Hell, Tuesday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain, right after the paper chase.
please clap.